It is good to be with you this morning, and um, despite the fact um, that, well, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that it's Time Change Sunday, and I noticed that, that I yawned a couple times, and a couple of you yawned a couple of times, because it is a, it's lunchtime. So even though you got here early, you're, you're hungry during the sermon. So I'm going to do my best to work uh, on that. Uh, even though I guarantee you this sermon is probably longer than it needs to be, because it's a sermon about love. It's a sermon about love and our call to love one another. It's also the first sermon in like seven weeks where we haven't been looking forward to homecoming and, and, and talking about our covenant and, and how that covenant is important to remind us who we're supposed to be and name and claim who it is that we are. And I don't want us to too quickly forget that, but, but the reality is, if, if you don't know how many days and weeks it is till Thanksgiving and Christmas, I promise you that your spouse, who's going to cook for you, probably does. Or someone in your family knows that right around the corner is the most wonderful time of the year. But before we look to that, let's remember what a great week we've had as a church. If you just go back to Wednesday, we had Trunk or Treat, and it was a really fun night. Trunk or Treat's not the kind of thing that all of you are into, but as a church, our youth and our our children, our young families, and, and several adults who don't have kids that age were out celebrating, having a good time with one another. It was a really meaningful time to express the love and joy that we have within our church. And of course, you look back to seven days ago, we had our homecoming, a a day that was, was, at least behind the scenes, almost two years in the making. Our planning committee did an amazing job making sure everything ran smoothly. The service was fantastic. The food was so great. I hope you got a good nap in last Sunday afternoon. And the fellowship and love was, was priceless. And we look back to that fellowship and to that love because, again, this is a sermon about love and devotion to one another and the importance of it. We see the importance of love when we look at last week and realize that what made it great was the church family gathering in love to fellowship with one another. And I hope we remember that that's not just what makes church great, but But what makes our lives as human beings, as God's children, as citizens of the world, is the love and the hope that we have for one another. The quality of our life as a church depends on the love we're willing to have for one another, but but so too is that the quality of our own lives. Jesus goes right at that this morning in a very clinical sort of way. The scribe is the one who does a lot of the important talking. But in the end, it's really just about love. That's what we see as we turn to Jesus' teaching in, the chapter, in chapter 12 of the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to read verses 28 through 34. Now one of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another... 
And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, You should love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and, to, and with all understanding and with all strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to the scribe, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any questions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I ask you, have you ever been lost? Have you ever been lost? I saw a funny shirt this week in Raleigh. It was a college-age student wearing it that said, I'd rather be lost in Raleigh than found in Chapel Hill. (laughs) It's not so bad over there in Chapel Hill, but we understand the sentiment, right? It's funny, but, but if you've been lost, if you've really been lost, it is... It's disconcerting. I think is the right word. And your first instinct when you are lost is not to, to open up and to love. When you're lost, you think about safety, you think about protection, you, you kick into fear. And when you're, when you're at your wit's end, you're probably not thinking about love. But I think the commandments tell us what we must do at, at that time is to love. That's when love might be most important of all. You see, I ask about that being lost, and I frame the commandment around being lost because this commandment comes to the Israelites as they are wandering in the desert. They would wander for 40 years, a lifetime really, getting out of Egypt, and waiting to get into the promised land. And when they get those commands from God through Moses, amid the aimless wandering and wondering, the command first is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And it makes me wonder if we're told this, Because when we're stressed and we have a tendency to turn inward and when we want to operate out of fear or we want to get even or stay even or keep up, maybe that's when God's reminding us, no, it's not that. What's most important in the face of all situations is to remember to love. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor in the same way. Now, these days, 
with phones and navigation systems and even compasses. The wilderness we get lost in is is rarely an actual wilderness like the Israelites were actually lost in. But we have symbolic, metaphorical, allegorical wildernesses with all that we have to juggle in life. Our families are overscheduled. Even when we try to make it simple, it's not. We have rising expenses and many have stagnant wages. Some of you are concerned with your health. Some of you are overwhelmed with your health insurance. And I could go on and on and on. I don't need to tell you what's stressful about living in these days. You know. But even still, in the wilderness of 2018, the call is not to retreat, but to love. The preacher will tell you, of course, that the way that you cultivate love is to do what you're doing today. To gather for worship, to share in Bible study, to engage in fellowship with with fellow Christians who are a part of the body of Christ. Those are the practices that cultivate a love for God in you so that you can change your default setting from fear and retreating to, even though I'm nervous, I'm willing to love. And that's where we find strength. But it's also the preacher who does what the preacher does and turns to Scripture for a story about how this, look, how this works. I don't know if scriptural stories are those that, that you really, really deeply connect with, but if you, if you want to take a chance on one, the appointed... Old Testament reading for this day, the, the scripture we would have read if we had read the Old Testament and the Psalm and the Gospel and a New Testament reading. The Old Testament reading is from Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. I'm not going to read it to you because most of you know that story. But the story is, in shorthand, there's a woman named Naomi who has two sons. Naomi loses her husband and then loses her two sons. And Naomi is left as an older woman with two daughters-in-law. She is all of a sudden left with three women women who are widows with no stature or standing or ability to really truly engage and fight for themselves in society in a productive way. And so Naomi, attempting to take one for the team, says, uh, Ladies, go back to your families so they can protect you. So they can help you. But her daughter-in-law, Ruth, chooses something different. Is praised for it and ends up making it into the stories of Scripture that are intended to shape and to form and to mold us. Because Ruth, instead of taking a path of safety in the face of fear, recognizes Naomi's vulnerability and and dispensability within the society and clings to her out of love. She devotes herself to the well-being, not just of herself, but of Naomi. And she lives out what it means to love her neighbor as she loves herself. 
It is truly a remarkable story. And because it is so remarkable, it is a part of Scripture. It's a part of the Israelite story that says, when we want to remember who we are, we go back to this story. And we choose to love. We choose to find ways to live out that greatest commandment. Now Jesus is in conversation, we'll say, with the Pharisees and the scribes in Luke chapter 12, Mark chapter 12. And in the story we read, the scribe asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? What is the first commandment, he says. Jesus responds. He answers correctly. He even gives the second commandment for good measure, going above and beyond as Jesus does. And then it's the teacher's turn. The scribe says, you're right, teacher. You've truly said that God is one. There is no other. And we love him with all our heart and all our understanding and all our strength. And we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. And this is more important than burnt offerings and sacrifice. You can't religion your way through love. You have to actually just love your neighbor. The scribe gets it. He gets that there's nothing more important than the love that we have for one another. That we need to lead with love and return with love. And that if there is a questionable situation, the default answer is that we must find a way to love. Because everything's going to push you away from love and you're going to want to feel better about moving away from love. And so you're going to make burnt offerings and sacrifices instead. And those aren't enough. Everything will try to get you to worry about yourself and how something might be a threat to you. But according to the Gospel, according to God's Word, from Jesus, from the scribes, from Ruth, you have to love. It's not the position that you take or the actions that you fake. The love you give your neighbor is more important than the burnt offerings or the sacrifices. And the scribe declares that all the posturing and pomp and circumstance in the world cannot overcome or exceed the importance of truly loving our neighbors. That is the good news. And in the wake of a wonderful homecoming, we can see the good side of love. We shared all that love with one another last week. And in this last week, I've seen the world through a lens of love in a way that oftentimes, it, well, I just, I just forget to. I've been looking for love, not in all the wrong places, but I've been looking for love. And, well, it's harder to see around us sometimes than, than we might expect, isn't it? Now, I'm kind of naive and, and maybe uh, a hopeful optimist, but when I consider the problems we face in the world or, or, or in any system, I, I think there's a possibility that we can make our way through. We can 
pull off and be successful most of the pull things off and be successful most of the time. We can work on things and oftentimes I think the biggest problem we have in church or in community or in society is not that we can't love, it's that we just get absent minded about it or we choose not to. We wait for another day to deal with that which we need to deal with. And there's so much less love in the world around us than than maybe we would express that we need to be the loving presence that drives out the fear that has beset everyone. And for a people who are in the wilderness, a literal one or a social one or a political one, The gospel tells us that the quality of our life will be determined by the love we have and share. It's the company we keep and our willingness to love that company well that will determine the quality of our life. Because the fact is the, the, the economy and, and sales and, and even elections like one that's around the corner, they, they can't help us love. But the good news is that no matter what happens in all those other things, there's nothing that can stop us except our choice as to whether we choose to love or choose not to. And so I would remind us all that this week has been a week that is about love. The love we have had together as a church. The love we celebrate that has allowed this place to be a wonderful church for 170 plus years. It's been about the love that the Lord calls us to to drive out fear. It's about seeing the presence of God in one another that cultivates love for God within us. And it's about, this week has been about being a body of people who together support one another and seek to offer love to a world that is desperately in need of it. And so today, though the sermon was probably longer than it needed to be, the reality is, the question is simple. Do you want to love the Lord your God with all of your heart? Do you want to express that love you have for God by loving your neighbor as you love yourself? Because this is what we, have, we are called to do. This is where we will find hope. And this is where God will meet us. And I pray that we will meet the Lord there as well. And that when we meet God, what we will find is love. Will you pray with me? Oh, loving God, we give you thanks for this day that we have had and we give you thanks for a wonderful week in the life of our church. And Lord, we pray that you would help us now to love. There are so many ways that we can not love, that we can work around love, that we can let something other than love trip us up. But Lord, help us to love to love fully and to love well, to love with grace and patience, and to love with hope in you and hope in one another. Help us to love so that we might be your people in this day 
and we might be your people for the days ahead. This, O Lord, is our prayer, and we offer it in your great name. Amen.